Hi, thanks for tuning in to Smoking Issues. Today we're talking about how we organize and spend our time in smaller communities. How do people of faith become faithful people? We'll be talking about these issues while smoking an Olivia Series 5 Meliano Robusto cigar. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, where nerdy guys smoke cigars and talk about smoking issues in the church. Thank you for being here. If you have any questions or want to comment on what we discuss, you can contact us via Facebook Messenger, email smokingissues at gmail.com, or you can go to our, go to our website at smokingissues.com. I'm Ian. And I'm Josh. Um, how, how are you today? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? I I'm well. Um, I'm excited for uh, today's t- today's topic. But I've, uh, so am I. I just I just I just just come from one of the uh, smaller gatherings which I participate or, or lead, and uh, yeah, I mean uh, you know there there are there are always occasions for the potential of awkwardness. Yes, man. When you get in a small group with other people and you start talking about personal things, man, it's a uh, it's a recipe for awkwardness. But as I like to say to my millennial friends, awkwardness is not the worst thing in the world. I think a lot of times people think awkwardness is like the worst thing ever. Uh-huh. And, you know, awkwardness is if you if you don't think that awkwardness is the worst thing in the world, it actually becomes a lot better. Well, that's how you got married, isn't it? <laughs> that's how Rachel puts up with me. Yeah, you keep reminding, <laughs> Poor Rachel. You keep reminding her awkwardness is not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> Maybe maybe one day I can convince her to believe it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Dude, that was good. That was good. All right. So uh, our podcast today is talking about small groups that don't suck, but which is a great title for the podcast. Right. But, but we have to start by talking, I mean, because we all really, really love telling these stories. Small groups that do. Small groups that oh, do nice. suck. That's great. Yeah, so let's share our worst small group story. <sighs> oh my gosh. Let's get prepared. Let's get let's get prepared. Let's show ourselves up for the awkwardness that we will both <laughs> feel during the next few minutes. Well, um I mean I, I I could go with like a small group experience where somebody's like come out or uh announced they're divorcing or something like that. I mean, because that's oh. <laughs> I mean that's that's pretty bad. That is that is like horrendous. Is is there one that just like you like could not wait to sprint for the door after it was over? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Oh man, let's let's tell them, man. Let's go for it. So, um, um, there's like an, an uh, I mean, geez, it was like an open an open share session. Uh, oh, don't you love those <laughs> open share time, guys? So good. Everybody is so mature and knows exactly what they're doing. Uh, everybody is guarded and self-aware, you know. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so that we're sharing. 
and your leader is very encouraging of this sharing and kind of trying to tease things out of us. And and somebody shares um, something that's you know very very personal and challenging for them. Um, as they were trying to deal with some childhood trauma and how that was manifesting uh, with with symptoms now. Oh, oh no! Oh no! Hmm. Um. So you know, hashtag first of all, um, <laughs> not the place, just not the place at all. Um. So uh, this individual shares about their ch- childhood trauma, and then, um, like breaks down into tears oh no yeah and now none of us none of us were prepared for this okay so um so the the group leader asks this individual to uh to to gather in the midst of in the middle of the circle because small groups happen in circles guys of course, circles, not rows. Circles, not rows. That's like a mantra for small groups. We're going to move from rows to circles. Mm-hmm. Keep going with the story. Um, so, um, okay, I mean, it's it's really something. So this individual oh, no. is weeping and now shaking like this is deeply traumatizing and is having a very difficult time. He kneels on the floor, surrounded by this group of people. Oh, no. whom he is, you know, barely acquainted. And uh, he's kneeling. Everyone else is standing. Can you imagine this, the visual of this? Like six people crowded around some poor man on the floor on his knees. We're all laying hands on this individual. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and everyone gets a, gets a go at praying, and it definitely lingers far too long. And Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. And... Uh, and we left the left the room open, left the door open for, you know, this individual to begin like offering prayers, like begging God to take away um, the pain or, or change the memory. And I was like, oh no. Like, like, no, this is this is quickly going south. Like this is not a prayer. Like that. Like it's not. I, I I get what you're trying to pray, but like this is not true speech about God or, or about you. Like this, this is something that can't happen. So not only is it awkward, but it's starting to get theologically sideways. Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pastoral abusive. It's, it's theologically skew and incredibly awkward. And uh, oh, this no. came from like opening the door for like open sharing with little plan of a follow-up or, or little, little knowledge of like what you really do when somebody takes that seriously. You just walk into it, just say, "Hey guys, let's share," with no plan for how to handle it. Right, right, oh, and that was horrendous. How quickly did you run out of that room? I mean, I had to. I mean, it was like as soon as that gathering was over, I was gone, bolted. I felt, I felt, I felt, I felt skeevy the rest of the evening. Yeah, you need a you need a cigarette and a drink after that, right? Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> this is the worst small group story, so that's pretty uh-huh, bad. Thanks. Pretty bad. Well, congratulations. You got through it and you're still alive. Oh man. 
that's just that's just no bueno, especially when people don't know how to handle that or do some on the spot counseling where it's like everybody just get in a circle and circle up time, circle time, pray. Yeah, it's, sometimes it doesn't go well. Wow. So what's yours? Anything else or oh, well, oh, oh, okay, anything, else? Yeah. anything else? Yeah. So <laughs> I mean I mean we could go on for an entire podcast just talking about small groups that that suck. But um I wanted to make sure you were done with the story. Oh I'm done. I'm done. It, it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't really go anywhere. It's just very disappointing. <laughs> it just it, it just stops. <laughs> this happened and then it's done. Well for me, um I helped lead a college and career ministry at a church and uh it was led by someone that was very hard working but just didn't want anybody else to come alongside of them and help. And so it was it was pretty challenging at times. We had a we had a Sunday night service every week. And uh at one point in time we had 50 75 people showing up. And uh I used to bake the cookies. Uh we used to have fresh baked cookies oh, you every are week adorable. when uh when the sir yes. So I used to pop downstairs in the middle of the service. I used to plan the service beforehand and then pop downstairs and and have fresh baked cookies Jeez, ready for everybody when it was over. So yeah, I know. And, uh, you know, it was good. We had some small groups. We had some other things. We had some sharing time. So we so we get there one Sunday and uh, the lead guy had had kind of been out for the past couple of months. Like he had only like showed up to prep and like didn't stay for the service um, when someone was teaching there. And it was really awkward. Um, nobody really had any communication. Yeah, the lead guy, the guy who was leading the service, who was coordinating everything. He yeah. wasn't the main speaker. So he was like the leader of this college ministry, but he would invite speakers to come in. So essentially, he didn't have to be there. So, But what has started happening was he started kind of pulling back from this ministry, and he would show up, plan the service, like make sure everything was ready. We had volunteers. We, uh, the speaker showed up. We had like a little somebody playing guitar. Um, and then he would, just dip, he would just leave. This is horrific. So... Yeah, so he, so he, that's what he was doing for for a couple of months prior, and then you know it was it, it kind of dwindled down because this guy really wasn't focused on about t- about ten to twenty people, and mm-hmm. so it kind of got like more small groupy. So we'd kind of get in a circle, and somebody would teach. Uh, I sometimes taught there, and then um, we'd have this like you know kind of dialogue or discussion, and then it would end. Um, so he showed up and stayed like it was like the first time we had seen him in weeks. And he showed up and stayed and he was speaking that night and he, he kind of sat, we were in a circle, it was about 15, 20 of us. And, um, he said, oh, we're shutting down this college and career ministry and this is the last night for it. Uh, which was shocking to everyone in the room. Like no one had seen him, no one had talked to him. This wasn't talked with anybody that was a part of the, the ministry. And so he's like, yep. So we're just going to go around the room and share about, uh, your favorite stories from this college and career ministry. And, uh, we won't be back next week. Uh, oh. Josh, what would you like to share? <laughs> oh. Um, so it was, uh, it was, it was pretty brutal. It was, it was gut wrenching. Cause like we, we kind of had no clue what was going on. Um, and it was just, man, it was really tough. So I kind of, I bullshitted my way through that and said some kind of story that was kind of, you know, haphazardly, you know, relevant. Um, and it was, it was pretty, it was pretty rough. Oh so people Lord. were crying, like people were shocked. Like 
nobody knew what to say. Nobody knew what to do. And it kind of ended really awkwardly. Like some people shared and it was like, kind of what's going on. And a couple of people asked and uh, essentially what came out was this guy didn't want someone else to take over the ministry that he built. And so instead of seeing it, he said, instead of seeing, he said to me and a couple other people afterwards, he's like, instead of seeing it um, die a slow death, I thought I'd just kill it. (laughs) So, so we had like, I mean, like I said, we had upwards of, of 50, 75 people at one point in time, but we had about 20, 20 people that kind of found a home, found a community there that just Just had nowhere to go. Yeah. I mean, it would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, didn't happen that way. So that was, it was awkward. It was, it was, it ended really weird. He just kind of was like, okay, we're going to end. He didn't even like pray or anything. Like, you know, the prayer is like the typical, like, this is avoiding the awkward ending is we'll just pray. And, uh, and he didn't really do that. He's like, all right, well, um, thanks for showing up and, um, bye. (laughs) And then he just left. So it's crazy. (laughs) It's like really heart, heart wrenching. It was one of my first experiences of like how ministry is such a different world. Like people just think differently. They process differently. Like, it just is, it's a really strange environment to do ministry with people. And um, t- at times you're going to get hurt and burned and stabbed in the back. And that's just kind of what you got to expect if you get involved I mean, I with guess other so, people. Especially in, in, in small groups. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's kind of our topic for, for conversation. Ian, you kind of want to yeah. bring us into the, yeah, our topic um, for today. I, uh, so... Uh, when we talk about organizing organizing spiritual community, um, I think I think there is an awful lot of creativity that can be brought to this issue. Um, yeah, huge amount of creativity one can bring. Yeah. Uh, but I come from a patrimony and a, uh, an, a a sort of a form of doing church that actually has significant answers to this question. So I, I have in my hand my okay. uh, 1662 Book of Common Prayer. Um, it's a very nice Cambridge edition, large print. And uh, it contains in it like several occasions where where people must gather, um, or rather services must be performed. Which I think is really interesting. So you firstly have your uh, your Sundays, hmm. and then your principal feasts. So things like Christmas, Easter, Saint, uh, the various saints of uh, um, the, the twelve apostles have various feast days, um, uh, Pentecost, etc. All these places, and then also. Um, it says here, the order for morning and evening prayer, daily to be said and used throughout the year. So there's a, uh, a spiritual rhythm okay. of uh, at least twice. At least you know when there's not a feast day, you're going to be you're going to be praying twice per day. Uh, when there's a feast day, you're going to have communion uh, f- uh, in, in 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 memory of that feast as well. Um, and so, uh, so there's a there's a strong spiritual rhythm of uh, of communal meeting, um, of uh, reading the scriptures, praying together, uh, even singing together, of course, because many of these services would be sung or include hymns. Um, and uh, and these you know, these these forms of worship are going to last about twenty minutes to half an hour. That's what you know. That's that's how long daily prayer sort of takes using the Book of Common Prayer. Um, about about twenty between twenty minutes and thirty minutes, uh, so it's not a lot. 
Why don't you why don't you why don't you explain a little bit for our listeners that might not be familiar with the daily office? Oh, uh, um, like what is included in it? Uh, da- the daily office. Wait, give um, us like a I two mean, or three minute explanation. Uh, the book the book of common prayer takes uh, the, some of the traditional monastic offices of you know the, of like the very ancient church uh, and condenses them into two services: one in the morning, one in the evening. This is uh, a very English thing, by the way, that uh, we should make things more efficient. And uh, make things less less effort, um, you know. Uh, so uh, what 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 you're doing is you're is you're making use of very ancient patterns of worship, but also with a very strong Reformation influence. So Cramner, who who wrote the services, Thomas Cramner, Archbishop of Canterbury, he wanted um, he wanted to organize these services in such a way that the entirety of Scripture or the greatest part thereof will be read through in its entirety throughout the year. Um, and also, he uh, he really liked the Psalms. So he's he's he the way he appointed the Psalms was that you could get through the entire Psalter in a month. So um, in this form of worship, you're going to start mm, usually gotcha. with a confession of sin. Uh, you're going to read and re- read or sing uh, maybe two or three Psalms in their entirety, um, and you're going to read uh, a good chunk of the Old Testament, usually about a chapter ish. Um, you're going to say uh, and have another song from scripture, uh, either a psalm or or, or a, what's called a canticle, which is a from another from another part of scripture or or a hymn of the church, like an ancient hymn. Read from the New Testament uh, about again about a chapter, another canticle, which is a poem taken from scripture, um, and then the prayer, and then you're going to say the Apostles' Creed and pray. Uh, you know, usually involving the Lord's Prayer. Um, some specific prayers for the government and for your neighbors and all these things and asking God for specific blessings. Um, and that's about it. And that whole order takes about 20 minutes. Yeah. And for those who um, aren't familiar with it, you can actually download it. It's called, the, it's called Daily Prayer. Yeah. The, the, the um, Church of, to the Church of England the published that a few right years now. ago. It's actually quite, it's great, quite lovely. Um yeah, it's a gr- and I've and I've used it, but essentially, um, for a layman uh, who's not familiar with it, which I wasn't, and I still really am not that much, but it just is essentially like a little devotional. I mean, they put together songs, they put together mm-hmm. prayers, um, scripture readings that connect together, and then um, kind of you can literally yep. like walk through it as you would a devotional mm-hmm. every day. And they've got morning, evening, and night. Uh, and I, I have I have today's pulled up, so uh, you know it connects with the church mm-hmm. calendar. And now, I've used now, uh, it in my personal devotional life. Well, how does it get forward? Well, first, if groups? you're if you're a clergy member of the Church of England, um, um, if you were, if I was, would I get to wear a cool robe um, and? Would I would would I get a sweet oh, hat too? Oh, like with would the I get a freaking top. sweet hat? Um, anyway, uh, this is actually your job. So to to say this service to say these services twice a day is literally you're you're paid to do this. This is part of this is a non-negotiable part of your job. So yeah. this can be a personal yeah, yeah, yeah. devotion and, and for, or a service for, for clergy of the Church of England. This is a non-negotiable part of their job. They this is they are paid to pray. And and so what this does, pay so to pray. Um, this pay to what play, this does then is it creates a um, it creates touching points 
um, where a community can gather and uh, with, with the express purpose of meeting God. Um, but these, are, these occasions for worship, um, they can breed an intimacy between people and a trust. Um, so, uh, as I've, as I've explored doing daily office with various groups in Annapolis, um, we've discovered that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a dialogue between, you know, the, the relationship we have with one another and how we worship together. And, uh, and it's, it's a great, it, it, it it's, it's an, well, it, it's, okay, a, it's yeah, an amazing, um, elaborate on that a little bit more test or a, uh, t- a test of our, of our level of intimacy, uh, what we're willing to pray for when other people can hear, you know, like, and, 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 you know, when, mm, when I, when I good. lead prayer, you know, I, I, I really, sh- I really kind of closely guard it. Like I'm not, I'm not letting people give long diatribes talking to God. You know, it's like, it's like if you have a need, name it, just okay. name it. You know, I, I, I want people to get to that place of like, you haven't got to talk. Mm. Yeah. You haven't got to impress gotcha. me or anybody else with your God talk. Here you are before God. Here you are before God. Say the name. <laughs> That's good. Say what hurts. Just say it, you know. Um, yeah. And, uh, mm. And, mm. And, and, and as these communities have grown, the, the, the scope of those needs has grown as well. And, uh, and that's, that's, a, that's, that's a deeply wonderful thing. That's, that's the power of, of the liturgy of the daily office for me is that it, uh, it, it's consistent. Uh, it can, if we come back to, and, uh, it's strong, it's stronger than my will. So, you know, if I feel like, if I feel like, if I felt like the service was going, was going poorly, I might be tempted to like just readjust and, 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 and change it around. But when it's the daily office, I'm like, I really can't do that. So this is, this is what it is. And I'm and I'm going to learn how I'm going to learn how this works and learn how to make this how to make this work for this community. Um, so and 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 frankly, like you know, yeah, when you're when you're making worship the center of of your of your community and your communal gatherings, um, you know, you can't help but then also be, be more interested in talking about God. So so yes, worship can be a, a hobbyist activity. We we can all we can all admit to this, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you can be a hop- you can be a worship hobbyist, sure, if you if you really want to, um, but also um, you can uh, when you're when you're dealing with this much content that's prayer, that's song, that's scripture, um, that proximity to that content I think is is very important and very sanctifying. Yeah, that's good. So through prayer through um through prayer through the reading of the scriptures mm-hmm. and through the intimacy that comes from reading scriptures out loud having someone presiding mm-hmm. over some sort of short service, yeah. service if you will is that a good way to describe it um uh, yeah yeah so so that's mm-hmm. how you form a smaller community and the, one of the benefits to that is that you don't just yeah. have to come up with it. It doesn't depend on yeah. you. It's already kind of been written. You just kind of follow this in a, in a way, not in a bad and, way. I'm not trying yeah, to be critical. Yeah. Here, and you when you say presided over by a person, and like, there's a like, you, it's, it's difficult. To, you can't overstate how important the person presiding is because their countenance shapes everybody else's countenance. You know? Yeah. 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 Like any yeah. small group does. Any any leader role does that. Yeah. That's good. Uh-huh. Well, let's um, uh, Ian, let's take a quick smoke break before we get into uh-huh. kind of how how I 
approach small groups and and some of the differences here. Um, we are smoking an Olivia Series Five Miliano Robusto cigar. Um, that's a that's a big word, but Olivia is the name of the company. Series Five Miliano Robusto. Meliano is the series five Meliano is the name of the cigar. And then the size of it is a Robusto. It's five inches by 52 ring size. Um, uh, Ian, uh, before I get into about the wrapper and the strength and all that stuff, well, um, this what is very are you, new to me. What are you sensing with it? Um, and of course, uh, it's, it's, it's quite, it's okay. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had to mute, I've had to mute my, mute my mic, mic a couple of times for, for a strong cough. <laughs> yeah it's good well this is a um ecuador sumatra wrapper um it is a full cigar it's like a step up um uh last week we were doing mm-hmm. the um uh perdomo 10th anniversary champagne which is really smooth medium at max sweet this is a strong uh, it's an ecuador sumatra wrapper so it's a darker wrapper um, it's got darker filling in it, um, but it's very, it's very thick. It's oily. It's, um, it's, it's really well wrapped. I mean, Olivia cigars are a really good, high quality cigar as evidenced by, you know, you're paying a little bit extra for it, but this is full bodied. So I'm getting senses of pepper, mm-hmm. um, kind of unsweetened cocoa kind of a deal. Um, I'm looking at my flavor wheel right now, trying to pick out some things. Um, but there's kind of, uh, yeah, it's definitely like strong, um, not, I don't feel a bite, but I feel a, I feel a pretty strong, <laughs> strong flavors of mm-hmm. cocoa now, um, and, uh, and, you know, and a I, spice I, I, to I brought this up in the past, but anytime we, every time I'm smoking a stronger, a stronger cigar with a stronger flavor and, and a sort of darker coloring. I often find that uh, after a certain point, it becomes very sour in my mouth or bitter. Oh, I'm about halfway. Yes. Are you getting that now? How far along are you? I mean, a little lightheaded. Okay. Um, what are you feeling halfway through? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. Um, Probably a little, uh, a little pale. I mean, yeah, like like it's. I'm, I'm so, I, I have to keep putting it down because it's like got this. Uh, bitterness i guess this is is it's a uh, be saliva mixing with some of that tobacco it's just not a pleasant taste and I'm not, I'm not trying to fix that maybe maybe something sweet to drink yeah yeah well well you know coffee with a strong cigar is incredibly valuable because the coffee and the strong flavor of a cigar actually the stronger the flavor uh-huh. the more it tastes like chocolate when you mix it with coffee so um, actually with my wife one time, my wife and I were smoking cigars cause Rachel smokes too. And, um, we were smoking when we were dating and, uh, I, I was smoking a Partagas black label, which is one that we have to, that'll be like a, a pinnacle moment in the podcast when we can smoke <laughs> a Partagas black label and neither of us has any issues because it is, it is strong, dude. Mm-hmm. Like you need a, you need a steak dinner before you smoke that cigar. So I was smoking about half of it. I was about halfway through and I kind of started to feel a little queasy. You know, I'm kind of like, eh, I'm going to take it back. I smoked about half of it and that was about good enough for me. So Rachel had a little flavored cigar that she had smoked and she really liked it. So I, I gave Rachel, uh, uh, I gave Rachel my, my party black label. And I said, you uh-huh. know, Hey, take a puff and then just take a drink of coffee. And oh. she did, and it tastes exactly like milk chocolate in your mouth. Like, 
that's what it comes to. And, but it's really strong. So, oh. uh, so she like smoked the other half of the cigar. And I told her, I was like, babe, like you need to calm down with it. Like she's like, Oh no, I got it. I'm fine. So she would take a puff and drink some coffee. And, uh, let's just say the night ended, uh, very differently than probably she was in. Perfect. <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. She was, she was thrown. I, I actually, that's, that, that's how a night. <laughs> and what's funny was, this is kind of one of the so. reasons. It's, it's when odd. you don't I mean, end up throwing up in a bush. Better. Like it's morally better. <laughs> it's odd, right? <laughs> but like throwing up in a bush, I'm like, yeah, it's pretty normal. <laughs> You're funny. Well, I'll tell you that. that... <laughs> well, the end of the story is, is actually that uh, Rachel, I was really trying to hold back laughing because I told her you're going to throw up if you smoke this. Uh, and, and she sure enough did. And I'm behind her. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, I feel bad. We're on a date that we're not even engaged yet. So, um, we were talking about getting engaged. We'd been dating for about a year and a half and, um, I'm trying so hard not to laugh Ian. I was trying so hard. And, um, she actually, after she's done, she busts out laughing, which frees mm-hmm. me up That's to funny. bust out laughing. That is and really I was like, funny. man, this girl's cool. So, part of the story well that's the cigar um it's a it's good it's good that we're increasing i think i think we need to have stronger cigars sometimes because that'll help our palate grow um as you smoke increasingly stronger Mm -hmm. cigars it helps you be able to handle the medium or mild cigars better and then it also expands the palate a bit more so it's just like going in peaty scotch you know you start to drink it and it's like oh i feel like i'm drinking moss but over time you start to develop you know a taste for it so um so so for me can we jump back in um are we done tell with me, cigar? Tell me about, tell me about your uh, your experience of, of organizing christian community yeah well i mean uh, i'll tell you i've grown I've changed a lot in how I do it. Um, so, so you've described using the daily office a lot and kind of having a, yeah. a small, you know, twenty-minute service surrounding some time with community, and and that kind of grows and and centers you around prayer and and mm-hmm. reading of scripture in the service. And and I would say that I agree with all of those things, maybe not in the same format. Yeah. Uh, for me, I used to be like a teacher. I used to just show up and teach and very didactic teaching, and um. And, and while I, I think that I've grown in that gifting, for me, the big win for me oh, yeah. in, a, in a small group environment is when people read the scriptures prior to showing up and, and they show up with thoughts, with ideas, and then we dialogue about what that means about our life mm-hmm. and what that means about how we view God and ourselves, our sin, our brokenness, and Christ's salvation. So for me, you know, if, if, if we read a couple chapters of the Bible throughout the week, uh, kind of alone, we journal and we kind of bring questions, we bring thoughts, we bring observations and we bring our perspectives to the table. And then kind of in a group way, we kind of, um, there's a term in the the reform movement called gospel each other, where we speak the gospel to one Mm -hmm. another Mm -hmm. and help one another see the gospel in the midst of our perspectives, our thoughts, our struggles, those things. So typically, um, I, I like to structure it in in three ways. We we look at the scriptures. We kind of see like what is the scripture saying, um, and then we kind of say like how is this applicable to my life, and and then we kind of end if it's kind of a more 
closed environment where there's believers in the room, uh, Christians in the room, um, where we do breakouts or something, we say, who is, who is God calling me to reach out to this week? Who's someone that God's calling me to serve? Who's someone that's God's calling me to, to reach out to grab a coffee with, build a relationship with someone that maybe is in need or someone that, that, that we just feel God's spirit compelling us to reach out to. So, so it's a, a kind of asking, letting, letting kind of three questions of what, what the scripture's saying, how is it speaking into my life and who is God calling me to reach out to or respond to with this, that those three questions kind of guide our small group time. Mm-hmm. But in general, um, what I've seen with kind of evangelicalism as a whole is that there's an emphasis on Bible study. There's an emphasis on personal relationship building and an emphasis on community sharing. So kind of what you, right. kind of what you described as your negative um, some people might see as a positive if it's done and handled in the right way. So kind of the story that you shared at the beginning, be like, wow, we've got people being transparent. We've got people being open. We've got people being authentic. Um, using, seeing people be open and transparent and comfortable with that um, is considered a big win if, you, if you're able to point people to Jesus and you're able to kind of have it be, I don't want to say managed in the way, but just not make it awkward. I, I hate to say it that way, but, um, but yeah, so there's an emphasis on more Bible study, personal relationship, community sharing, and then ultimately relationship building. Mm-hmm. So I think what it's in response to is, you know, growing up, I, w- I was Baptist growing up and I went to a Sunday school class. I actually worked at a church in Clarksville, Amazing. a wonderful church called First Baptist Clarksville. Um, and it was for the first time in my life, I, I saw people bring briefcases to church on Sunday. <laughs> What are they doing bringing briefcases? Like this guy's got like a full briefcase, like leather wow. worn down briefcase that's stuffed to the hilt with papers and books. And he was teaching, he was teaching a Sunday school class. And I kind of grew up with that. So you would get people that would grow these Sunday school classes to like a hundred people, like a oh, church. And this is where you got And they would show up from. and they would teach on the book of Romans or they'd teach on a book of the Bible or gotcha. a certain theology. And, and, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Where, where yeah, you got that's your, where uh, I your shtick. What do you mean, my shtick? You, know, you know what you were what doing you uh, with your small group back in the early days. My shtick. Josh. Yeah, yeah. Where I, where I, I kind of just repeated what I grew up with. Yeah, which was uh, let's just sorry, get together I'm and I'll just teach a you forever. Connection issue. You still there? Can you hear me? Well, mm-hmm. as you're dealing with the technical difficulties, I'll continue to share a little bit. So, um, you know, I grew up with a Sunday school model of we teach and that's, you know, I grew up with flannel graphs as a little kid, you know, a little Jesus holding a little lamb. And then that kind of, gr- and then you kind of grew up to in a Sunday school class where people would literally bring briefcases to church and they teach and that was it. And so there was no dialogue, there was no discussion, there was no discussion of your feelings, no no questions. You know, if you asked a question, mm-hmm. that was great as long as it was like a like a, like you're asking a teacher a question. So it was very didactically oriented, not conversational. And so I think with a lot of the small groups that we see in people's houses today, you know, you move from a church building to a house, you move from Sunday morning to a weeknight typically. Uh, you move from having coffee and donuts in the morning to just having coffee and donuts in the evening a lot of times. Um, 
Mm -hmm. but there is an emphasis of like, this is not just to learn. This is to build relationships together. And I think that that's been a big benefit to the church. Um, This idea of we're going to build community together, but it's not as formatted and it's not as um, standardized as what you would do. Mm -hmm. It's very different. And so uh, really it all depends on who you, who you have leading and what their experience is and what their training is. So your, your, the local church is training for those who are leading those smaller groups or lack of it kind of determines the quality of them. So it's not like you can pull out the daily office and boom, it's ready to go. It's, do you have someone that can facilitate Mm -hmm. discussion? Do you have someone Mm -hmm. that can um, care for people and not make it awkward when stuff comes up that's deep, you know, that can appropriately transition and, um, you know, I think that being a small group leader in an yeah, there's a, there's environment, a, there's is, a high is bar of entry. You know, um, it's, to, to it requires that. a nuance uh, and an experience that a, yeah, you know, a very, a very, a very demanding in, so. set of skills From, needed before you'd be considered adequate, um, and that's not ideal. Unfortunately, that's not. No. You know, like what the prayer book gave me was okay. We we you know it's sort of like we're very eager for you to read the Bible and pray. So here's a way to do that. Just just do this. Uh, an, an idiot can lead this. Um, you know, it, it's it's all here. So so once we've gotten you reading and praying um, with others, like yeah. you know, there's a certain formational aspect that happens happens in that moment. I mean, I mean, you know, and 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 to and to bring it down to the brass tacks, it's like, okay, well, let's uh, you know, how do we ch- choosing somebody or you know share, sharing the responsibilities of reading from the scriptures. Um, you know, you discover that somebody is a terrible reader. Like they just, they just, just not, not acquainted enough with the scriptures to like know how to read scripture. And then sure. of course you are challenged to show them patience. Right. Right. Uh, so, so the, 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 the occasion of this service gives you plenty of opportunities to practice yeah, absolutely. Um, being yep. kind and patient with one another. Yeah, and I think the same thing is true mm-hmm. in um, our small group environments. I mean, for me, I have people that come alongside of me like apprentices or co-leaders of these yep. groups that I lead. And what I'm talking about is these groups are, are typically mixed gender and they're a little bit – they're a medium-sized group. So they're between you know 8 and 20 people that get together. I, I lead other environments that we can talk about in another time. That's where I would say um, – more of the intense focused discipleship happens um, in in another environment. Um, I call them men's groups, or uh, and they typically meet in the morning. They're one gender. We confess sin together. We read the scriptures together in the same way that the other groups do, but we just kind of dive a little bit deeper, um, speak into each other's lives a little bit clearer. And those are typically pretty small, you know, three to five people. I've heard the term micro groups used before. So, um, but in the broader groups, like typically it actually, what I think one of the benefits of having a more open format is, is that it kind of goes to the individual. It provides some autonomy, Mm -hmm. autonomy to be free to 
have a format that reaches the specific community that you're inviting into your house. So there's some people that like, might like, might like more teaching. And so you can teach a little bit more and talk a little bit less. There's other people that might um, really, they just want to get together and build community. And so you can fashion events Mm -hmm. and things around um, the needs of the people that come, but then also it forces you to have a high bar to train people towards as well. So for me, you know, having apprentices, having people that see me do it. And then, you know, when I give them little responsibilities in the group, like maybe they're facilitating a dialogue or discussion one Mm -hmm. night, maybe, maybe they're taking point on the group that night. Um, it actually helps me train leaders to be able to go do this. And of course the skill set that you learn in leading a small group, um, isn't just applicable to right. small groups, right, right. you know, it's applicable to how do you and, care uh, for people? How do you yeah, I mean, I, recruit I, I, and invite I think, people uh, in? How do you organize? You know, you know, from, those from my, types my perspective, I've been, I've been, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm committed to a certain theological tradition, which uh, curtails a certain amount of autonomy and, uh, to, to be Anglican with, with integrity, uh, means making use of the Anglican way of spirituality, probably as much as possible. Um, so, uh, so I'm, I'm, I enjoy uh, leading people into that. Um, I, I enjoy the I enjoy the fact that it's kind of like um, it's it's clearly scripted out so that anyone can pick it up and lead it themselves. Like no one ever trained me to lead the daily office, uh, but because it was so well scripted, I could just do it myself. Um, and uh, and and that kind of like you know curtain pulled yeah. back. Um, everyone can see what's going on uh, approach uh, means, you know, it, it doesn't take skill. It just takes faith to, to make it happen. Uh, um, the yeah, but I, be, I mean, and, and I would say that um, there's a, what's well, the shadow side uh, to that? You could have like, what's somebody the critique who is of that? Uh, morally inept, uh, or, or, or morally not praiseworthy, um, who, who uh, finds that they are leading this, this, this gathering. Um, and that can be problematic, can't it, I suppose? Uh, I mean, obviously, you're always loving somebody who's, who's morally problematic is praying. Um, but uh, the fact that they're officiating and leading for others, like that's, that's somewhat difficult, I guess. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there's good and bad to Mm -hmm. it as well. Like, like I said, the autonomy thing for me is a positive. The negative is that it requires in in my model, it requires a higher bar of leadership ability, um, which kind of narrows the pool of who can, but I don't think that's a bad thing. And here's what, here's what goes back for me is, um, when I worked at, I worked at a company called Davco restaurants. They, they managed every Wendy's fast food restaurant in Maryland, DC and Northern Virginia. And here's what we saw is that, uh, we did some metrics. I helped in kind of a special projects department. So I had my hands in a couple of different things, but we met, we looked at the metrics of districts. So we had 155 stores and those stores were under district managers. So a district mm-hmm. manager might have like six, seven stores under them. And then mm-hmm. those district managers were set up into three kind of divisions. You had division vice presidents. So it's a very kind of top down corporate structure is does how I'm describing it make sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So um, what we found was is that the the vice presidents really didn't matter. 
Like who is your vice president really didn't determine your outcome. And what we also found was uh-huh. the the major outcome, while there was a factor of like who the store manager was managing one store that had some impact, uh, it, it really was marginal. Huh. The most impact over 80% of the determining factor of whether a, a store would be successful or not was their um, district manager. It's the person in charge of the store manager. And the people, the, the the district managers that were on top of their store managers, mm-hmm. that were driven, who were motivated, who v- were constantly in the stores, constantly working with the managers, those were the most okay. profitable stores. Not the store managers, not the vice presidents. And so, for me, I've taken that principle into how I view church. Is that actually? The small group leaders and your team leaders, like people who are leading teams, whether that be on a Sunday morning, um, maybe you have a, a, a team that, that organizes your, your gathering or you have a team that, that is led to, to facilitate mm-hmm. setting up and doing communion or offering or whatever it would be. Like your team leaders and your small group leaders are the key determining pack, factor for your church. That's what I believe. So I've kind of taken that principle and, and, and brought it into the church to say like, those leaders are worth pouring into time, energy, effort. They're worth vetting carefully because they actually are more of the shapers of the culture than, than even sometimes the lead pastor. The lead pastor is a determining factor, but at the end of the day, it's how people take that, translate mm-hmm. what gets talked about and what the vision is cast and how they translate it in their context um, is the, really the determining factor. That's good. That kind of goes back good. to how I view small groups is actually how I saw um, how I saw Wendy's restaurants being led. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's I think this is a good discussion. I think this is I think uh, there's a lot mm-hmm. of value mm-hmm. to, to having these types of well, uh, that's, uh, dialogue about, uh, you know, it's interesting today. your theology, your theology. Um, Informs your methodology a, a lot more than I think people think. Um, I would like, I would like to, uh, I would like to thank uh, Nothmo King. I would like to thank him, but he's not shown up yet. Yep. Thank you, my uh-huh. friend. You too. I, I actually, uh, I mean, I sent him a couple of text messages, which wait, I, so I he was traveling on, last but, uh, week, but we didn't know where he was. No reply. Did you so... talk with him? Have you communicated with him this week? Right. Has it has it been like a payroll he's issue? Have you not been paying Osmo. him? What are you doing, man? Yeah, we had to do, we had to do all the we had to do all the work for the podcast this week. He's just kind of MIA, so we got to find Nosmo. Yep. No, he's cashing his checks. He's just not, he's not showing up. I mean, he did mention he was doing some traveling, but he told you he was coming to see me. He told, he didn't tell me where he was going. So he's certainly not here. Don't you just hate it, Josh, when somebody like, we got to figure out what's going on with Nazma. Nazma, if you're listening, please come back, communicate with us. Stop reading our text messages and actually come back. I know. (laughs) I know. Yeah. And then also last week too, like it was just a busy week. Anyway, um, uh, see you next time, everybody. And uh, <laughs> like you did earlier this week. <laughs> All right. Bye.
something inside.